This is Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast, episode number 36. Today's special guest is Dr. Katie Elliott. In our interview with Dr. Elliott, she shares how the national issue of stress and burnout is impacting dietitian nutritionists, and she talks about some of the interprofessional efforts to decrease stress and burnout across health professions. This is an enlightening interview you won't want to miss. Hi, healthcare leaders. I'm Tracy Christofferson. And I'm Michelle Trosett. We're your hosts for Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast, and we are so grateful you joined us today. You're about to see healthcare problems and challenges through a brand new lens and take your leadership to a whole new level with this podcast. We've coached healthcare leaders from across North America for over 30 years as they strive to establish healthy healing organizations and thriving work cultures. This is the only podcast that shows healthcare leaders how to apply polarity thinking, the missing logic in healthcare, to their reoccurring challenges so they can stop wasting time, money, and resources on fixes that fail. If you want to create a healthy healing organization where staff and leaders thrive and perform at their highest level, where values are aligned, outcomes are sustainable, and the highest quality of care is delivered, then this podcast is for you. Keep listening. Each week, you're going to learn how to leverage a polarity mindset and manage competing priorities as we use a polarity lens to explore everyday challenges with the leaders who are striving to manage them. We're thrilled you're here. Tracy and I have been leveraging a polarity mindset to combat burnout and be balanced and resilient as healthcare leaders for over 15 years now. If you're burned out or tired of feeling overwhelmed by competing priorities, overworked, and stuck or lost and want to thrive as a leader and perform at the highest level in every meaningful aspect of your work and personal life, this approach might be for you. This spring, we will be offering a new online group coaching program to teach and coach healthcare leaders how to live on purpose, prioritize competing demands, and develop balance and resilience in their work and personal lives using our dynamic balance framework. Before you listen to this podcast, go to www.missinglogic.com forward slash podcast and join the early interest list on the top of the page so you can be the first to get all the details. Hello everyone, this is Michelle and Tracy. Welcome back. We're back on the airwaves yeah. and we just wrapped up a delightful interview with Dr. Katie Elliott. Yeah, she's really something, isn't she? She is. Yeah. I love her energy. I love her passion that she has and the commitment that she has, right? Not only to her profession, but to interprofessional practice and now to shining a light on burnout for dietitian nutritionists. That's right. She really helped us look at clinician burnout through the lens of a dietitian nutritionist. And she is definitely passionate about that topic. As she says, it is her jam. That's right. That's right. She's all over it. And we're very privileged to have her on our podcast today. So Michelle, tell us a little bit about Dr. Elliot. Yes. Dr. Katie Elliott is an assistant professor in the Department of Nutritional Sciences at the University of Oklahoma Health Sciences Center. 
Dr. Elliott's primary area of teaching and research is in the area of interprofessional education and collaborative practice. She has published and presented nationally on interprofessional education topics, ranging from course development to student learning assessment. Her current research projects include the development of interprofessional competencies for the management and prevention of obesity in a multiple institution study to evaluate interprofessional pedagogy for entry-level learners. Well, you know, Michelle, she's also an advocate for the profession of nutrition and dietetics. Dr. Elliott is highly involved in leadership at the national level. She currently serves as the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics representative to both the National Academy of Medicine Global Forum on Health Professions Education and the Interprofessional Education Collaborative. She's also the chair of the Interprofessional Education Committee for Nutrition and Dietetics Educators and Preceptors Council. She is a busy lady. She is. Her most recent honors include receiving the Outstanding Dietitian of the Year Award in 2016 from the Missouri Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, the Outstanding Dietetics Educator Award in 2016 from the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, and she's received the James H. Korn Scholarship of Teaching and Learning Award from the Center for Transformative Teaching and Learning at St. Louis University. Yes, you want to know it's really awesome, Tracy? What? We are airing her interview um, during National Nutrition Month. Well, it's a perfect fit, right? It is. All right. So without further ado, let's listen to our interview with Katie. Welcome, Katie. We're so grateful to have you on our podcast today. Oh, thank you so much, Michelle. I mean, I think you guys know I've been super excited about this for a couple of weeks now. So thanks for having me. All right. Well, let's get started. Let's do it. (laughs) First of all, you're the first person we've ever interviewed that lives in Oklahoma. Shocker. That's that's so exciting. Yeah. Um, So tell us what's exciting about Oklahoma. Well, you know, I think for me, the most exciting thing is that this is home for me. Well, I'm from Texas originally, but um, this is my, these are my people being near family. And, you know, I think that actually relates a little bit to what we're talking about today with stress and burnout and support systems and things like that. So um, I've been excited to be um, near my family and just some friendly people here in Oklahoma. So if you haven't been here, um, you need to come pay me a visit. Okay. Oh, that sounds like a plan. I drove through there twice a year for a number well, hey. of years as I went yeah. between Arizona and Michigan. So, yeah, 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 yeah. And what do you do for fun there? Well, um, so I'm a runner. I know that may not sound fun to some people, but um, not to there's me. Lots of <laughs> <laughs> there's lots of nice flat places to train. So I've got two marathons on the books um, for this spring. So I just try to. Um, keep running. Uh, it's a good way to keep up with your friends and, uh, you know, de-stress. Yeah. Awesome. Wow. That's great. That's great. So Katie, as you know, Shell and I are on a mission, right? <laughs> We're starting a movement here for leaders to really look at healthcare through a new lens. And we know you got your new lens. <laughs> Yeah, I have them right here. You have your missing logic glasses for those of you that are listeners who haven't had a chance to get a pair. (laughs) Katie has a very special set of lenses that she looks at the world through. And uh, tell our listeners a little bit about, you know, how you've been exposed to polarity thinking so far. 
Yeah, well, so I think the first time I was really introduced to it was when Michelle came to the National Academy of Medicine Global Forum on um, Health Professional Education maybe back in like 2017. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I loved, first of all, Michelle is such a dynamic presenter. She had me like hanging on the edge of my seat and, um, you know, even got us out of our chairs and thinking about, she introduced, or you guys introduced that concept. And I really started thinking about how that applies to my work as a dietitian, because we have polarities even within my own profession. We work with people who are either dieting or not dieting. They either eat carbs or they eat fat. They either <laughs> eat protein or vitamins. I mean, so I think that was really when I realized this applies to a lot of what I do in my profession. And then I loved seeing you guys at Collaborating Across Borders in Indianapolis and getting to sit in that roundtable session with you and hear how it applies to your real life experiences and what your organization does. It honestly, it kind of blew my mind. So um, that's in part why I'm so excited to talk to you guys today. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Well, we enjoyed having you at the roundtable. That was a lot of fun. It was. Yeah. So to start with, um, let's talk about your journey uh, into nutrition and dietetics and what what led you on that journey to become a registered dietitian nutritionist? Great question. Cut me off if I <laughs> tell my whole life story. Um, well, I was one of those kiddos who loved science and math. Um, I also loved cooking. I was always in my mom's kitchen um, reading her cookbooks for fun. Like who else sits in bed at night and reads that cookbook like it's a novel? Well, <laughs> when I found out that you could combine science and math with food, with a career that helps people, I was hooked. So didn't look back. Um and I think as far as being a dietitian, we have a lot of flexibility, a lot of opportunities to really change people's lives. So it's been a good, a good path. Wow. I always love hearing how people get started, yeah, right? Me too. You know, and some right. just, you just know, right? That this yeah. is the right thing and, right. and you're on you fire right moment. from the beginning. I think that's such a gift. <laughs> And that's what I love about teaching students is I get to help build that in other people every day. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Awesome. So tell me a little bit about, well, explain to me, sure. <laughs> what's the <laughs> difference between a registered dietitian and a registered dietitian nutritionist? I love this question because I think it's really important to our practice. And a registered dietitian and registered dietitian nutritionist, those are actually interchangeable because they have that RD credential in there. We can tack on nutritionist to the end of our um, credential. Um, but that's someone who has been through the training. They have over 1,200 hours of supervised practice. They have a, a bachelor's degree. In a few years, we go to a master's degree requirement. So we are trained. We have the science, the evidence-based practice. If you run into somebody who's got just a nutritionist, they don't have the RD, they do not necessarily have that evidence-based background that they need to practice. Oh, okay. That helps that, that's a yeah. Yes. yeah, that makes yeah. a big that makes a big difference. Yeah. Yeah, because yep. yeah, nutrition is a huge part of being a dietitian, right? Oh, absolutely. And yeah, I just didn't mm -hmm. know if that was a whole nother certification that you had to go right. through or, oh, so that, that explains it well. See, 
I'm wiser today something new because today. I've Thanks connected to you. That's the beauty of interprofessional education. That it is. is. That we is. are. Is. That's yep. right. Absolutely. Awesome. <laughs> well, Katie, we don't have to tell you what a hot topic uh, stress and burnout is today. And uh, with the new National Academy of Medicine report that was just published in October of 2019, you can see Tracy and I have a copy here in our podcast <laughs> studio. It is... Um, you know, there's just so much evidence now that um, is out there about the significance about burnout. And in the report, there's a lot of literature around, you know, primarily nursing and physicians and the right. the rate of burnout. But we'd like to learn from you how this serious national issue is impacting the clinician in nutrition and dietetics. Well, I'm first of all really glad that you were asking this question because in our profession, we're really just starting to talk about this. And there's very little in the literature. So if you do a search, you're not mm -hmm. going to find a lot. But what you do find, and then also when you talk to people and you get your boots on the ground and you're out there talking to the dietitians, I think what you find is that it really looks similar to a lot of the other professions. Mm -hmm. So it all comes back to we are all dealing with this in similar ways and in some ways a little bit different. But I think what it's looking like on a practice standpoint, is people potentially leaving the field, which is a challenge. Uh, maybe it's also people not wanting to enter the field. You know, mm -hmm. if we have a, we do not have a pipeline of students because they might see this as a profession that's not sustainable, or uh, maybe they interact with dietitians who are burned out and they think, I don't want to be like that. <laughs> And um, the other um, more serious and scary one is the, um, you know, as we've seen in physicians and other professions is the suicide rate. And that's not something that's talked about in our profession. But there was a commentary in our journal back in the spring that did point to one or two um, professionals um, and who had um, committed suicide. And my thought is one or two is one or two too many. So um, I think we can all say that for all of our professions. So sure. that's kind of that stop and stop right there. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I agree with you that there is similarities amongst all of us, right? We're humans. We're in the health profession world. But what are, have you been able to uncover any specific causes of stress um, for clinicians that are maybe be a little bit different or that stand out to you? Sure. I think... In the conversations that we're having for nutrition and dietetics, probably the one that sticks out the most is sometimes we have unrealis unrealistic expectations of our profession. So a physician or another provider might send their patient to us and say, this patient needs to lose weight or this patient needs to get control of their hemoglobin A1C. And we hold our expectations to be able to help that patient change. And that doesn't always happen. And so what do you do with that feeling? The other thing, too, is that I'm just going to throw this out there, but sometimes people expect us to look a certain way because we are the food and nutrition professionals. And so um, if we have certain expectations of our weight status and we don't meet that, then that can sometimes be internalized. In fact, a lot of times people see us as the food police. If you've ever been 
near a dietitian when you're eating and you guys are laughing because I know you're thinking it. So, you know, what's Katie going to put on her plate? Well, that's a lot of pressure on us internally to because we're real people, too. In fact, I have a little um, cartoon that I use or a meme that I use in some of my presentations where it's a dietitian being unnoticed, being unnoticed, being unnoticed. Then that dietitian puts a big slice of chocolate cake on her plate. And all of a sudden, everyone's like, what? You're eating chocolate cake. And so I think just some of those kind of um, professional um, images that we might feel like we have to uphold. Yeah. And if I can just say one quick other thing is that kind of traditionally in our role, sometimes we can feel like we are unrecognized kind of on a little bit on the ancillary um, part of the team. Other professions have nutrition in their scope of practice. Mm -hmm. So we have to sometimes really almost justify us being on the team. And if you can think about that for a second, that that can, can cause stress. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I can relate to that. Yeah. You know, as a respiratory therapist, I mean, I can, right. I can relate to that. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. so there's a right. lot of other professions that say, well, I can do what you do, you know? Exactly. And so exactly. You're always kind of trying to promote, you know, your scope of practice and the unique um, knowledge and experience that you bring. And right. And you know, right. that, that is really enlightening. Mm -hmm. Katie, yeah. just not that particular, I mean, that is, but also just what you said before about, you know, the stereotype the expectations, but how that can be internalized, you know, and right. I, I mean, it really gives me a sense of the pressure, you know, to have that kind of being the perfect, right. Dietitian. Yes. Like I have to be perfect in every aspect of my, you that's know, right. I got eyes on me. Yeah. All the time. Wow. That that's, I can see why that would be extremely stressful. Um, what about when it comes to education? Because we know burnout isn't just about the clinicians in practice that, you know, students um, also are experiencing significant amounts of stress. And we hear a lot about that for the physicians, for sure. But what about when it comes to dietitians and education? What are you Absolutely. noticing? Absolutely. And again, I think we've got some similarities and then um, some differences as well. As far as similarities, let's just talk about the rising cost of healthcare professional education. You know, mm -hmm. I've got kiddos who are going to be going off hopefully to, you know, college and, you know, potentially school. And when you look at how much it's going to cost for them to get that education, um, I think that's huge. In our profession, we are moving to a graduate degree starting in 2024. So now yeah. you're asking folks to get an additional, you know, one to two years of training just to enter the profession. And, you know, we will be looking at data to see if the salaries will uh, be able to match that. Uh, something that's unique with our students is that if they complete a bachelor's degree in nutritional science or dietetics, they still have to have what's called a dietetic internship. We've got only about half of the number of training spots in dietetic internships for the number of students who graduate from those bachelor's degree programs. Okay, so you might be looking in a classroom and the person next to you on either side isn't going to make it into the internship to be the dietitian. So think about what that does to that stress level. And it pushes them to, I've got to volunteer more. I've got to get better grades. I have to work. So that yes. piles up. Competition. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
As healthcare leaders, we feel it's pretty safe to say that you're a leader because you want to make a difference or contribute to something larger than yourself. And as a human being, you want to enjoy your life and get the most from it. But you always feel the constant tension and tug between these two important aspects of your life. That's why we've created the Making a Difference Enjoying Life Assessment, so you can identify how well you're managing this tension and gain some insights into your own steps for managing it more effectively. It only takes a few minutes to complete, so take advantage of this unique opportunity and go to www.missinglogic.com forward slash podcast and click on the link at the top of the page to take the assessment. Yeah. And then, so help me understand. So if you have all these people going through the program and you have to do an internship to complete mm-hmm. and half the people don't, mm-hmm. do they have to just wait eternally until? Yeah. Uh, they, sometimes uh, they can. Sometimes they can wait and try up to two, three, four. I've heard of students, you know, five times reapplying through that internship cycle. So and, you could go through your whole and, education and not get into the internship right. and not be able to become through. a dietitian at all. Exactly. Exactly. Oh and then find a job with a bachelor's in nutrition, which is not, those aren't, you know, right. Right. available. Right. Wow. I didn't even know that. See, you are just <laughs> teaching me so much. Yeah. I knew this was going to be a special podcast. I know. <laughs> well, so now we know kind of what the stressors are and, you know, the things that are leaning to burnout, but how have you seen these students or practitioners are actually dealing with the stress and burnout. What kind of things are they doing to manage this or to mediate it? Well, you know, again, we're relatively early on in these conversations, but I also think just having the conversation in some ways is that starting point that starts Mm -hmm. to give people some hope of we're noticing this. We're looking at our interprofessional colleagues to see that they are having these conversations as well. And I think there's a huge value in that. Now, from the education side of things, we do have standards for our programs where students must have access to counseling and support services. And that has to be available easily where they can find it on your website with very few clicks even. Okay, so that Mm -hmm. we know that our students are um, going to have support. Um, We are starting to see editorials in our journals. I gave a talk at our national convention and there were two other talks on mental health in our profession. So again, I think it's the, um, the conversations are starting maybe in a year from now, we'll uh, be seeing even more action in this area. Well, you're shining a light on it. Yeah, exactly. Yes, absolutely. Reducing burnout and stress. So Katie, as a dietitian nutritionist, what have you noticed about other health professionals that are experiencing stress and burnout. Have you noticed anything in the colleagues that you work with? Absolutely. And actually, um, we published a paper on this, a discussion paper through the National Academy of Medicine a couple of years ago with um, another dietitian colleague, because what we've seen anecdotally and then also in the literature is that our interprofessional colleagues have the same go-to coping mechanisms that anyone does when it comes to times of stress. A lot of people have a disordered relationship with food when they're stressed. So think about whether you're the, I'm gonna eat the all the, all the pizza, all the chips, 
the soda, the ice cream, whatever it is when I'm stressed or on the flip side is that I'm going to not eat. Mm-hmm. And we know that both of those, again, polarities are um, not necessarily a healthy um, way for our professionals to take care of themselves as they are trying to um, take care of their um, patients. In fact, several years ago, I did a study with one of my grad students on medical students, and we looked at what they were eating during medical school, and it was not pretty. <laughs> so I can only imagine that um, it would be the same for our other interprofessional colleagues. One other quick add is that a lot of our interprofessional colleagues know some about nutrition. Okay, so they've gotten some information about basic nutrition. However, there's still a dichotomy, a disconnect rather, between what they know about nutrition and how they know to take care of themselves from that standpoint. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. You can know you can know a whole lot about nutrition, but you may not necessarily apply it to your own life. <laughs> right? Well, not me. Come on. I like I've never overeaten or undereaten. Well, certainly undereaten. <laughs> Just well, <laughs> I don't know. She does make comments about stretchy pants every now and then. Oh, I do. <laughs> I, I do. Comfort pants. food, right? Exactly. Like that's exactly. a whole where comfort food yeah. comes from. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We are emotional creatures with food. Exactly. Is, you know, so it's just finding that balance. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I know for myself, it's awareness, right? It all yeah. starts with awareness. Why mm-hmm. am I eating? Right. Right. Why? Because I'll catch myself like, you know, I know when Mm -hmm. the stress level rise, you know, I'll go for something. So you just have to wait a minute. Is this really what I need to be doing? You know? Right. Right. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. That's a big part of stress. So um, we're we're, uh, colleagues and comrades in the uh, interprofessional education and practice you know, field, right? And always trying to move that forward and um, do whatever we can to promote the interprofessional nature of practice. Can you share a little bit about um, interprofessional efforts to decrease stress and burnout across the health professions? I mean, we're, you know, everybody's doing things in kind of pockets, right? And some people, we well, why we have you on here, we don't even know how others are experiencing, but we know that you've done quite a bit of work around this. So tell us a little bit about what you've been able to find out so far, or what your perspectives are. Absolutely. This is my jam. You know, I am driven by the fact that we clearly have similar challenges in healthcare, specifically related to stress and burnout. So why wouldn't we be working together to find these solutions to make ourselves better so that we can take better care of our patients? And I know that's your driving force as well, is taking better care of patients. So some of the things that when I go out in my profession and talk about stress and burnout that we highlight are that... um, Action Collaborative, the National Academy of Medicine's Action Collaborative on Clinician Well-Being and Resilience. Now, admittedly, it's mostly physicians, but that's okay because very often that's where things start is having a profession take the lead. And so what I my vision would be that we would see more professions involved in that um, effort. 
I've been highly involved with the Global Forum that Michelle's been involved in as well. They hosted a whole workshop on stress and burnout. It's published. You can access it. There's lots of great information in there. And then same thing with the Interprofessional Education Collaborative. They did a webinar a couple of, um, I think, in spring of 2018. Again, just kind of highlighting this role, bringing the light to it. And I think that's that's the beginning. Yeah. Well, I think the other thing, too, is just practice interprofessionally. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Because one of the things that causes stress is feeling like you're alone in caring for your patient. But you're not. You know, if, if all of the weight of patient care falls on you, then that is stressful. But the reality of interprofessional collaborative practice is that we're here to support each other and have that shared common vision for our patients. Right. So... Well, and I think too, you know, um, it's that in that collaboration reduces the burden of any one clinician feeling they, like they're responsible or accountable to the outcome mm -hmm. of the patient. It's a team effort. We all have a piece, right? We all make unique contributions. And when we leverage those contributions, then we reduce the duplication, the repetition, it enhances our workflow, right? Um, the number of other people that we can see. So when we're really getting that collaboration, like a well-oiled machine, right? Mm -hmm. And we're really clear and engaging each other when we need to, then it really lessens the overall burden of everybody on the team and, and provides a better quality care for the patient. Yeah. You feel that support. That yeah. support is so important. Exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. And I think a big part of that, and we've even just touched on this throughout this podcast, is that we have to understand what it is that each other does and how we can contribute. Because if we don't know that, we can't get to that point where we are utilizing each other's services. So right. um, I think that's a huge um, you know, factor that plays into the teamwork. Yeah. Well, and I think too, the enhanced relationships, right? So while it's about the practice, it's also about how we relate to each other. And you know, when we come to the table as partners, Right. With that intention to have a partner seeing the potential in each other and just really, you know, owning, having that equal accountability. Then we stop blaming each other. Right. We stop. Right. You didn't do that. Or, you know, if you would only do this or, you know, whatever it is, we start to really have that heightened awareness of each other and and a different level of relationship. Not so much transactional, but really partnering. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Makes a big right. difference. And then it makes it fun to do your job that you got so excited about when you realized you love food and cooking and science and taking Ex care of people. Exactly. So, that's right. <laughs> there you go. There's the, the answer. There. Oh, see, we've solved it all right there, here. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Katie, in your uh, work with interprofessional education and practice, um, are there any specific behaviors that you would recommend um, to manage stress and burnout? You know, I think it starts with culture um, and looking inside yourself and seeing how you can contribute to a culture where it's okay to have these open dialogues with each other. Um, I see this most definitely both in education and in practice where it's okay to take care of yourself. Um, one of the things that we talk about we talked about in our presentation at our national convention was that being stressed out should not be the badge of courage. Um, sometimes, especially I see this in 
the education side of things, being a faculty member, is that if your office isn't crazy, messy, and you aren't flying from one thing to the other, and you don't seem stressed out, then it might seem like you're not working hard enough. But we can change that culture, mm-hmm. you know, one one person at a time. So I think, again, it's like, what are we doing to um, show the people around us um, that it's okay to not be stressed out? Uh, the other thing I think, just from a food and nutrition standpoint, again, kind of bringing it back to my profession, is to have open dialogues about healthy relationships with food, about body image, about what it's okay and not okay to say to people about their weight or what they look like or what they're eating. Um, So I think that's something that is maybe a a little bit more of a broad conversation culturally, but is important, especially with our profession. Those are such great comments. And um, I'm just really inspired by you for, well, I just think you're awesome. Oh, I think you're you're awesome. And you have such (laughs) great energy. But I'll tell you, I think I'm taking away from this podcast today is that each of us can make a difference. And it's amazing just if each of us contributes and, you know, we're advocating and we're giving examples that we really can have a ripple effect across all professions. And uh, just really want to thank you for being a shining light out there, Katie, and really around not only your own profession, but, um, you know, the collaborative talks and connections that you've made and, and now really being an advocate for burnout and stress. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much for being here. I really learned a lot um, uh, about your profession and uh, certainly about the stressors Mm -hmm. and how you're experiencing this. And it makes me think about, you know, something that um, I've kind of come to realize is those things that are most personal are most general. In other words, we're all having the same journey. It looks a little bit different, you know, in some regards, but at the base of it, it's very similar and there's a lot of commonality. And that means to me that we can learn a lot from each other as individuals and professionals. So thanks for um, opening my eyes and helping me to see that and uh, for being such an awesome guest. It was wonderful well, to you have guys. you. Yeah, thanks. I really appreciate the opportunity to share something that I'm very passionate about. And hopefully um, we can um, keep doing things in the future and oh. uh, uh, make some progress as champions together. Oh, you bet. Absolutely. You bet. Thanks Thank so you. much. All right. Thanks, guys. Mm-hmm. Don't forget to go to missinglogic.com slash podcast and join the early interest list so you can be the first to get all the details on the new online group coaching program we will be offering to help healthcare leaders combat burnout, live on purpose, and develop balance and resilience in their work and personal lives. Thanks as always for listening to Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. We'd love to hear and answer your questions. If you have questions, you can email us at questions at missinglogic.com, and we may include your question in a future episode. You can find show notes and links at our website, www.missinglogic.com forward slash podcast. If you're the kind of leader who wants to help others, then share this podcast with your peers and other healthcare leaders. We're certain if you found value in it, they will too. 
Please share this on your social media channels and leave us a review in iTunes. If you don't know how to leave a review, you can find instructions on our website at www.missinglogic.com forward slash podcast. 